Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. Thank you for gathering with us today in worship. And if this is your first time to gather with us, uh, either way, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, we know that you're here on purpose. The Lord has reason for you being here today. And I hope you're ready to hear from him. Uh, This morning, I have the privilege to introduce a guest that we have with us. Um, If he looks a little familiar, this happens to be my son. This is my son, Stephen Switzer. He and his wife, Erica, are uh, ministering as missionaries in the country of Honduras. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we uh, had an interview with he and his wife, and you saw that on the screen. Uh, so they're able to, he's able to be in, in the country for a few days. So he's going to come, and I asked him to speak for us today, so we'll get to hear from him in just a minute. But I wanted to get you, allow you to get to know him a little bit better. And before he gets up to speak, and for those of you who don't know him, you can understand that. So, Stephen, welcome. Thank um, you uh, don't you, Aren't you glad for the weather that we're having around yeah. here? Yeah, uh, people... Uh, you all keep telling me to be thankful for the weather we're having here because apparently it's warm here, but that's not true. And uh, I feel like somebody needs to tell you the truth today, so I'm here to do that. So it's cold. Uh, where we are living right now, it's like 95 degrees every day, and uh, you guys are living in Antarctica. And so I just wanted that to be clear, uh, and, and I wanted to be upfront about that now. But I'm I'm told to be thankful that it's warmer than it was, but that doesn't make me feel better. So thank you. <laughs> the look on his face, he stepped off that plane was, was classic, right? It's like, it's Alaska, and he just didn't know. He got the wrong, the wrong uh, connections. But anyway, Stephen, it's glad, uh, glad that you're here. You and Erica uh, work with an organization called Embrace International. That's we'll right. talk about that in a minute. But tell us a little bit about uh, this past year. How has yeah. on, we've all had an interesting year, obviously. Uh, how was that for Honduras, and what did that do for you guys? Yeah, so... I mean, just like I'm sure it was here, it was complicated there. And, and this past year created some new problems and new challenges for families and uh, for the government and the offices that we work with and also for our organization, some new, uh, some new problems we had never had to address before, but, but even just kind of elevating some problems that already existed. So uh, and we'll get into this a little bit more in a second, but most of what we do is we work with families and we work with, uh, with kids who need families. Uh, we believe that every family and every family deserves support. And so... Uh, that's been our, our mission since we got there, but uh, this past year that was um, more highlighted than ever before. A lot of families were out of work and uh, a lot of families not feeling like they had the resources and support to take care of their own kids. And so we had some unique opportunities, some, some elevated opportunities to take care of more kids than ever before and to support more families than we had in the past. And uh, it was a challenge and it was complicated and it was, it was something new, but uh, it was something that we were excited to be a part of. We had 16 foster kids in our home over the course of the pandemic for for different periods of time, including one who's been there with us since his first day of life, and he's been with us eight months now. And so uh, it's kind of, those are kind of the challenges we were willing to be a part of, but didn't technically sign up for. But, you know, it was, it was, it was amazing to see that even in the most challenging times, we kind of had a role to play and, and God had set some stuff up for us to do to, to be able to make a bigger impact than ever before. So it's a weird year, but a good year. That uh, the young man you spoke of, the eight, yeah. m- eight months, uh, beautiful young guy, guy named Esteban, mm-hmm. and uh, what a what a beauty just to see his face and know that God's allowed you to be a part of his life and yeah. help him at this this stage. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about 
Embraced International. Yeah. What what is that exactly? What do you guys do? What's your plans and so forth? Yeah. Uh, so like I said, so it's a new organization that that we're starting, and we're working specifically in the city of San Pedro Sula, Honduras, and. Uh, like I said, our main objective is to support families and to make sure that every kid has an opportunity to grow up in a loving family and that each one of those families has the support they need to thrive uh, and to take care of their kids in the best way possible. And so a lot of what we're doing uh, right up front, and this is a new service in Honduras that hasn't really existed in this, this realm before, is we're going to be doing what we call reintegration services. So using our team of psychologists and social workers and trained professionals to come alongside biological families that want to take care of their own kids, but just don't feel like they have the resources or the support or the opportunities or the housing or whatever it may be, whatever their challenges are that makes them think maybe their kid would be better off, you know, in an orphanage or with a foster family, but with a little bit of support and love and community, we feel like we can support those biological families in a, in a new way. And sometimes that looks like, you know, a kid is taken away from mom or dad or mom and dad aren't in the picture anymore, but there's an aunt or an uncle or grandma or grandpa that are willing to take care of the kid, but just need a little bit of support uh, with that new challenge that's in their life because parenting is a new challenge for a lot of them. And so uh, we just want to be a resource and we want to surround those families with, with the love and with the community and with all of the opportunities they need to, to be the best they can be for those kids and to thrive as, as a family. Wow, that's great. Thank you very much. Um, one thing that you're, you brought with you today, if you saw on the back table, yeah. is some coffee, Yo, right? Yeah. This is, uh, tell us a little bit about this coffee and if you buy it, what does this go yeah. for today? Uh, so a lot of them were sold in, in the first service because those are the early risers who needed it in the moment. There was an immediate need, but you guys are my people. I'm a, I've been a second service person my entire life. And so uh, I understand the value of coffee to those of us who understand the value of sleep. And so, uh, but it's, it's honestly, it's the best coffee from our favorite coffee roaster in Honduras. And we worked a partnership out with them where we're, buying the coffee at cost, we're selling it for $15 a pound, and all of that profit goes directly to Embrace International so that we can support more families uh, and do more than we, we could have done without the support. And so there, we've got some bags on the table back there, and we'll be back there selling them after the service if you want some delicious coffee and to support families at the same time. That's good. Uh, one last thing. Yeah. If we were to pray for you about anything, yeah. what's something you, you could ask us to pray for you about? Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's a, it's a relatively new organization, and we've got uh, a lot of exciting opportunities and some stuff we really want to get involved in and some families we uh, are already supporting and excited to continue to support. But uh, one of the challenges we're, we're looking forward to and, and we're already into is building this team of staff and social workers and psychologists to, that will be the best possible staff and the healthiest staff that, that can exist that we can, we can surround more families and we can do the work that we're called to do as best we possibly can. So we have a couple amazing staff members already, but we are hoping this continues to grow and it's already growing. So if you wouldn't mind joining us to pray that God's already raising up and training up the right people to be a part of this team uh, that would be there for the, the right reasons and right motivation and do an amazing work uh, so that we can love more families the best we possibly can. That's good. Well, folks, if you just joined me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. You can join us here in the audience or online. I just want to pray over you, bub, and... Uh, Pray for the Lord's blessing in this service. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to see uh, what you're doing in, in this special way in Honduras. Thank you for the work that Stephen and Erica and, and their organization is doing there. And Lord, I, I, I just see your hands all over this in so many ways. You are the, you are the perfect father and you, you want to see your people and families and you, you come beside those who are lonely. And so Lord, I pray that, that this ministry truly continues to reach 
people all across Honduras and just meets needs in a way that uh, enables them all ultimately to be pointed to you, Father, and to be able to see uh, what it really means to know you in a relationship. So just bless this ministry, take care of them, um, and Lord, bring them the leaders that they need. Lord, I pray that you're already working in the hearts of people that want to uh, have a heart for this ministry and that they will uh, be able to do what you've called them to, Lord. So we're just leaving that in your hands and pray that you do a special work there. Lord, we pray for the rest of this service. May our hearts be open to hear from you and your word. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Cool. So, like you said, I'm gonna, we're going to continue this, and I'm actually really excited to uh, get to share with you guys today because we're starting a new series here, uh, and you've probably seen some of the graphics and stuff, but I don't know. I, I said this in the last service. I don't know if, if like, we're all aware that Easter is coming up because calendars don't make sense anymore and time isn't real. And so it's been March for like 13 months. And so, but, but yeah, like Easter's coming up soon. And so uh, I'm excited to, to get into this. This is my favorite time of year to, to be in church and to be uh, just sharing this amazing story of Jesus. But we're going to look at it from a little bit of a different angle and look specifically at the freedom that Jesus offers us this year. But before we get into that and before we, we dive into this, this lesson today, let's uh, play a quick game, a little warm-up, do, doing something just to get our minds working a little bit because we receive information better when our minds are active. And so uh, here's what we're going to do. And, and it's not, I was a youth pastor for a while. It's not a youth group game. Nobody is going to have to like eat anything weird or anything. This is more for your brains to get activated and to talk maybe with the person sitting next to you. Okay, so we're going to play a game. Probably played it before. It's called Would You Rather? And I've just got a few questions and this is for you to process and to think. Okay, so the first one. Uh, and this is important, this, we will have signups in the back for you to, to pick one of the two options and you have to choose one, okay? So uh, would you rather go running with the bulls or would you rather swim with sharks? This is very important. I, I don't want you to answer too quickly because like I said, you will be signing up to do this today. So uh, which, which, which of the two would you choose? And there's, there's positives and negatives to both. I, I, I can see the merits of both sides, but it's important that, that you know for your personal self which is most important, Okay. Uh, here's number two. If you go on vacation today, all expenses paid, would you rather go on vacation to the mountains or to the beach? Again, you guys are cold weather people, so maybe some of you chose mountains, but the correct answer is beach, okay? So uh, beach is the right answer. It is warm. It is wonderful. If you chose mountains, uh, we can talk afterwards and we can help you understand why your decisions are wrong. Okay, okay, so beach is correct. Uh, let's, let's see, let's get, let's get one more. If uh, you had to travel somewhere today, would you rather take a flight that gets you there in two hours or go on a cruise that gets you there in two days, but you get like, you know, the cruise things. You get like lobster and you get all the food and you get pools and stuff. Would you rather get there quickly or get there comfortably? That's the question. Something to think about. Things to process. I heard some processing over here of like, oh, who's coming with me? Family coming or not? I assume if family's coming, you want to get there faster, right? And so uh, get it over with. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, cool, cool, cool. Those are good ones. All right, last one. Uh, given the choice, would you rather be stuck and in captivity and unable to make your own choices or would you rather be free? Okay, that one didn't take as much thought, right? Like we all kind of know the answer to that question. That one... Was, was kind of a setup. Since you all got the beach one wrong, I gave you an easy one at the end there. But uh, it's, it's an easy question, right? We all know what we want. We want to be free. 
We want to make our own choices. We want to, we want to do what's best for us. We want, we want to be living this life that, that is, is better for us. We want to be living a life where we can make our own choices, where we can explore, where we can have goals, where we can have a vision for the future, where we can, where we can follow Jesus wherever he leads us and do incredible things with our life. All of us want that, right? It's not really a toss-up of if that's something we desire in our lives or not. We all would like to be there. And at the same time, I don't want to spoil Easter too much, but we're going to be talking uh, about this idea of, of some of the things that Jesus promised. And Jesus promised freedom. It was a thing he talked about a lot. In fact, he said at one point, he said that, that he was the truth, and he said that you can know the truth, and the truth would set you free. And he's, he, he shared a lot of that in his, his ministry, that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. He came to give us something bigger and better, something amazing in our lives. And, and, and a huge part of that is our freedom and our ability to follow him freely. It was, it's an incredible concept, but, but it's interesting, right? Like we all want freedom and Jesus said we can have it, but we aren't all always living in that freedom that we can have. We aren't always living in this place where we're completely free and we're following him and, and we're stepping out of our comfort zone and we're trying new things and we're, and we're following him into, into places that we didn't think we would be maybe a year ago or we didn't know that we could get to and we're not living this life more abundantly sometimes and, and, and we can make a lot of excuses and have a lot of conversations about why, but a lot of times it's, it's just interesting, right? Like we know where we want to be and we know we can get there, so why aren't we there? What's the issue? What's the problem? What's holding us back from being in the place that we would all say we want to be. How many of you have, anybody here have a dog? Okay, a few people. Most of us, if you don't have a dog, you probably know someone with a dog. And, uh, and I'll just speak for, for my own that we don't have anymore. She's long-haired dog. We had her in North Carolina. She hates the heat. We figured if we moved her to Honduras, she would hate us forever. So, so we uh, gave her to some friends who have a house in Pennsylvania. She's in the cold. She loves her life. But uh, when we had this dog, uh, we had to, as I'm sure many of you do, we had to crate train her is what it's called. And, and so we had this crate in our house and whenever we were not in the house, we would lock her in this crate and, and she would stay in there and she had food and water and she was all right. But it was interesting when we were first crate training her, she hated it, right? Like we would put a bowl of water in there and she would knock it over and spill it all over the place. So she would just tear up whatever toys and stuff was in there and she would whine and she would bark uh, at all the time. But, but we had to do it, not because... Honestly, not because it was best for her, but because it was best for us, right? Like best for her is like out running in an open field, chasing squirrels and eating raw meat. That's her best life. But, but for us, uh, it was better that she wasn't out in our house, you know, eating our shoes and tearing up our blinds and, and, and making messes in various places and shedding her hair all over our couches. Like that's what she does. She's not in the crate. So we had to teach her to be in the crate. And we had to make that a part of her life. And she hated it for a while, Right. And then after a few weeks of doing that, we didn't have to like, you know, force her into the crate or drag her anywhere. We could just say, you know, go to your crate and she would go. And it, it got easier and we'd lock her in and everything was fine. And then after another week or so of that, we didn't even have to say go to your crate. When she knew we were leaving, we grabbed our keys or whatever, she'd go straight to her crate and that's where she went and it was easy. Then after a couple of more weeks, we'd come home after we'd been gone and she'd been in her crate and we'd open the door and she wouldn't even come out. You know, she'd be laying in there and she'd look out of, up at us when we opened the door and like, cool, and then go back to sleep. And that was her spot. And then it got to the place where we didn't, we didn't tell her to go to her crate. We didn't open and close the door. We didn't have to do anything. That was just where she stayed. And she became accustomed to that and she became comfortable in her crate. And that became 
her spot and she would sleep there when the door was wide open and we were in the house and she could be anywhere she wanted to be. She was free to roam the house at that point, but the crate was what she got comfortable with. It was the place she wanted to be at that point. It wasn't any more something that was forced upon her. It was the place she wanted to live. It was the place she had grown comfortable with. And, and it got to the point where it's like, well, why would I leave? I've got my toy and my, my pillow in here. And you know, what else is there? Why, why would I ever need to leave the comfort of my crate? And that's the thing. That's where a lot of us get to when we talk about being stuck and not, not doing, you know, the most, everything that we want to do, not living this abundant life, not living freedom. Galatians chapter five, verse one says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And we're going to talk about that verse over these next few weeks. But, but it's interesting because we know that and we believe that and we see it. Christ has set us free. He's done this amazing thing so that we can live and that we can explore and that we can do amazing things and we can impact more people and we can, we can reach the nations and we can do these incredible, incredible things and it's amazing, but we don't do it because we get to this place where there's these things that at one point had us stuck and we hated them and we wanted out and we didn't want to live in these places and we didn't want to live in fear or in pain and we didn't want to live holding on to guilt or shame and we didn't want to live not being able to forgive those around us and build those relationships, but eventually we just get comfortable in it. We didn't want to be afraid. All of us are afraid of something at one point or another. This past year has, you know, revealed that for some of us maybe more than ever, but we're, we're all in places where, where we have fears, but eventually those fears just become our comfort and it becomes weird to think of living without them. None of us want to live with shame, right? Like, like we all make mistakes. We all mess up. None of us want to live in a place where we feel like failures, but eventually we tell ourselves over and over again that you messed up and you're bad and you're no good and you're a failure. And eventually we start to hear those voices so much. We can't imagine life without them and we just get stuck. Eventually nobody has to put us in this place of being stuck. This is just where we think we belong and who we think we are. And we can't imagine stepping out of that because we've been in it so long and it's become comfortable and we've become complacent in the place that's not doesn't have our best interests in mind, but it's just where we are. Nobody wants to be stuck. We all want to be free. And there's so many ways to get stuck, but the results are almost always the same. Here's what the results look like. When we're stuck in these places, our potential becomes limited. What we're able to do, the things that we once had big dreams and, and, and people we wanted to reach and relationships we wanted to have and goals we wanted to achieve and, and places we wanted to go and an amazing relationship with Jesus that we wanted to have, it was, it was all so good and it was all so great. But as, as we get stuck and as we, as we shrink back into these places of our, of our cages, of our, our captivity, of being stuck in these places, we start to realize, man, I'm not able to do the things I once wanted to do. I don't even feel like I can think about that, dream about that anymore because it just feels too far beyond me. We lose control of our decisions because we feel trapped and we feel like I, I can't even make a decision to go that way because this is just where I live and it's hard to imagine not living in the places where we're stuck. Our goals shift, our relationships can suffer. This is what it looks like when we find ourselves in these places where we are stuck. It's so interesting to look at. It's so interesting to know where we want to be, where we can be, and how we're just not getting there. The things that are limiting us. So to start this series, and, and over the course of the series, we're going to be looking at one character from the Bible. Her name's Mary. Uh, and we're going to look for the next few weeks. Uh, you guys are going to dive in and look at some of the incredible, amazing, beautiful things that, that happened in her life and that she was able to be a part of and accomplish. 
her amazing relationship as a follower of Jesus and, and, and the stories that were able to be told about her life, the, the stories that are written all throughout scripture of the incredible things she was a part of and the amazing things that she did. It's just beautiful to look at her story. But today we're gonna kick this off looking at her origin story because her story doesn't start in the place you would think it starts. When we see her life today and what the Bible tells us about her, we see a woman who had friends, who was respected, a woman who was an amazing follower of Jesus, a woman who was a leader and people followed her as she followed Jesus, an incredible, incredible person. But her story starts in a very, very interesting place. If you look in Luke chapter eight, we're just gonna read the first few verses right away. Actually, just the first couple of verses. It says, soon afterward, he, talking about Jesus, it says that he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, his disciples. So Jesus is traveling and it says some, men, so, sorry, some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, this is the Mary we're going to be talking about, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And then it says, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa and Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Now, again, it's just a short verse. And we're actually going to focus on why it's such a short verse in a little bit, but it's just a short verse that tells us the origin story of Mary. This woman who the Bible says who was inflicted with seven demons is now a, a part of this crew that includes the 12 disciples and these other amazing women who were following Jesus and serving and using what they had to give back to the community and to give to this mission of Jesus. Mary's amongst that number of amazing followers, but she was once the woman who had seven demons which is a wild place to start a story, right? You would think that would be the bulk of the story. If we were making a movie about the life of Mary based on what we just saw, like the Jesus part's cool, but like let's find out a little bit more about the seven demons part, right? Like that's interesting. That feels important. That feels significant to us. And we don't know exactly what that looks like. This is all the Bible really tells us about her origin story, but we can draw some inferences based on some other stories about, uh, uh, about what this might have looked like, about some other instances of people being afflicted by demons, as the Bible refers to it. Just a few verses down in Luke chapter 8, verse 27. I'm going to read a few verses here, but I want to warn you, it's one of the weirdest stories you'll ever read, not just in the Bible, but just like any place that you can read words on a page, this is one of the weirdest stories that I've ever seen. And it says that when Jesus had stepped out on land, so he was in a boat, he gets out of the boat and he's, he's in this new place. It says there met him a man from the city who had demons. Again, this is just to kind of give us a scope of what the, the, Mary's affliction might've looked like and a little bit of what this, this could have been. It says, for a long time, this man had worn no clothes. Okay, point one, he's naked. Uh, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So there's a naked man possessed by demons and he's living in a graveyard. Bizarre. Okay, let's, let's keep reading because it's, it doesn't get any less weird from this point forward, even though that's a weird story. He says, when he saw Jesus, talking about the naked guy in the graveyard, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him and he said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. This man, again, this, like, this is like mythological, legendary kind of stuff. Everyone in the city knew who this naked guy in the graveyard was. They probably told their kids, you know, don't, I mean, 
it's probably good advice to tell your kids generally don't go to the graveyard at night. But like they probably told their kids specifically, like there's a guy there, he's, he's, he's wild. We, we can't control him. In fact, we're gonna keep reading here. Like they tried to control him and they were unable to control him. This man struck fear into the hearts of everyone in the town. But when he saw Jesus, the fear flipped and the, these demons that were inside of him were now afraid of Jesus because they saw power in Jesus that, that was greater than what they had. It says uh, that they tried to chain him up and he would break the chains and he would get out and there was nothing they could do to stop him. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And this is terrifying. He said, legion, for many demons had entered him. Legion could mean one to 6,000, according like in the, the reference of like military strategy back in this day, like this was intense, like horror movie level stuff that was going on with this crazy naked guy running around the tombs. And, but yet he's afraid of the power that Jesus holds. The man who struck fear into the hearts of everyone who saw him before is suddenly in fear of what he sees when he looks at Jesus. And I'll sum up the rest of the story because it's just the weirdest story ever and you need to know how it ends. So Jesus is having this conversation. This man is afraid and they ask him, you know, don't, don't just cast this out into nothing, but cast this out into these pigs. And Jesus lets the demons go to the pigs and the pigs jump off a cliff and drown. And then it says, I think I have this verse, but it says that the entire town after this happened, everyone who saw what had happened between this crazy guy in the graveyard and Jesus, it says that they came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed, big news, and in his right mind, and it says they were afraid. Not of this guy anymore, who they had always been afraid of, but now something bigger than even the, the insanity that they had witnessed their entire life, something even bigger is going on. Somebody more powerful than that has shown up, and that is terrifying. Power of that magnitude is terrifying. Again, I'm just trying to give us something of a, a, a scope of what Mary's affliction could have looked like, because she's our main character that we want to look at for the next few weeks. This is one option. Another story, this is found in, uh, in Mark chapter 9. There's a story about a father who brings his son to Jesus, and he said that his son had been afflicted by a, an evil spirit, by a demon. And it said that this, this affliction caused the son to convulse. It caused him uh, to, to not be able to speak, not be able to hear. And it said that he would throw himself into fire and into water like it was dangerous. The father was terrified on behalf of his son, and he wanted to do whatever he could to help. And so he hears about this guy, Jesus, who could do stuff like this. And he brings him to Jesus, and he says, you know, help me. I'm, I'm at the end of my rope here. I need you to do something on behalf of my son. And it says, when Jesus saw that the crowd had come running together, he rebuked that spirit and he said to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And it says, after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he arose. Again, just giving us a scope here. Somewhere, somewhere between, we, we, I don't know that there's like a scale that you can find anywhere that will give you like, like a gauge of what happens to a person on scale of the amount of demons, but we're talking somewhere between there and, and the crazy naked guy in the graveyard. Something was going on in Mary's life before she met Jesus that had limited her potential, that had caused her to not be able to make her own decisions, that probably made her frightening to the people around her, that, that limited her ability in society, that affected her relationships, that made her something of an outcast in some way or another. This was a problem in her life. This was something she was stuck in and something she could not get free from on her own. This is a huge part of her story. But, but what's crazy and I mean this sincerely, what's wild about this story is as intense as all of that sounds, and I get it, it sounds intense. 
Like I said, I, I don't know what kind of books you like, what, what, what kind of fiction you like to read, but you'll probably never read anything as crazy as some of these stories that are found here. True stories of Jesus' interactions with people. It's absolutely bizarre. But as wild as all of that was, and as wild as that might have been what Mary's life looked like before, we don't know. We don't get details about Mary's life. And it's a little frustrating. <laughs> like now, looking back, like why did, would nobody write about that? Like that, there was probably some very interesting things that Jesus was able to hear her from. There's probably some details that if we knew it would be even crazier to read about Mary's story, but we don't get to know about those. Those are not even footnotes in Mary's story. Why? Why would something so wild be not a part of her story when we read the Bible and we read about here? And I think all of that is on purpose. I think what we're seeing here is that Mary was stuck before Jesus, but her story was just beginning. And we think when we look at a story and when we read stories like that, and, and honestly, if you, if you read through to the end of the story of the guy in the graveyard, like he's healed and he's freed of his affliction. And then he actually goes back and he tells people in his own town about Jesus. He becomes, you know, a missionary in his own city, the city that once was terrified of this man and terrified of the place that he was stuck in and terrified, assuming that nothing good could happen to him. They had spent their entire lives as a city trying to get this man bound up and chained up so he couldn't hurt anybody. And now he was becoming a, a deliverer of peace and of good news in his own city that had once tried to get him out at, by any means necessary. Amazing, incredible things were happening and something just like this is happening in Mary's story. But we don't even need to know the beginning part. We just need to know where she's at now. This is what's wild. We don't, we, it could have been so many things. You, you can let your mind wander. You can imagine, you can dream up what Mary's life could have looked like. But to Jesus, that wasn't the important part of her story. It's where she was, but he had a bigger plan for where she was going to go. You're going to see the story she was a part of. And she's a part of some, some amazing, one of the most amazing stories, if not the most amazing story that ever happens in human history. She's there, front row seat, both at the worst moment in, in what we think is the worst moment in history and at the greatest moment in history just three days later. She's there. She gets to play a role in some of the greatest things that have ever happened, despite what her story once looked like. She was there. She was stuck. She needed help. She couldn't get out on her own. But that's not what Jesus saw when he looked at her. He saw a future. He saw freedom. He saw something better. You see, most of us, if not all of us, are going to be stuck somewhere at some point in our lives. Probably not on the scale of what we're reading this morning, right? Like, like probably not on the scale of crazy naked guy in a graveyard. We're probably not going to be there, but we're all going to be in some place at some point in our lives where we have our potential limited, where we're shrinking back into our cages, where we're shrinking back into a place where, where there is freedom to be had, where we know that Jesus said we can do great things and be a part of great things, but, but it's going to be easier at some point or another in all of our lives to just say, you know what, that sounds good. I get it. That's better. I get it. Jesus you know, died and came back to life. Sorry for spoiling Easter, but that's what's going to happen. I get that, like, all oh, that's amazing and that's cool that I can be a part of that, but uh, I'm afraid, but I'm ashamed. But I don't, I don't know that I can step into that because that just feels like a lot for me and that, that feels like it's too far and I don't deserve it and I'm not sure that I want it. And we're all going to have our opportunities to either say, yes, Jesus has opened the door wide open. I get to be a part of something better. Or you know what? Stuck's okay. This cage isn't so bad. 
there's water in here. I'm fine. Like, I, I, I could stay here. I don't really need to experience anything more abundant, anything better. It's kind of okay. It's for freedom. He set me free. But, like, it's okay if, like, he set me free and I just don't go, right? We have this opportunity. We're going to see some of Mary's choices in that. But we all are going to have that opportunity when we're feeling held back, when we're feeling stuck by things like this in our life, by things like fear. And like I said before, every single one of us will experience fear at some point or another. Every single one of us has most, I was going to say probably, but I'm going to go ahead and say most definitely experienced fear in this past year from one thing or another. Experienced something that was out of our control. Experienced something that, that made us question our future. Experienced something that made us feel like, like there's powers that, that we don't have a say in what's happening and it feels like the walls are closing on us and we just don't have control over what's going to happen next and that can be scary and it's okay to feel fear. But we're not called to live in it. We're not called to live holding on to the walls of our cages and thinking, oh, if I come out, it might be even scarier out there. I bet it's better that I just stay right in here and it's better that I stay safe and it's better that I judge anyone else who's outside of my place because I know my place is okay and pretty safe and water's almost empty, but it's still there. I should be okay in here. And we're not called to live in that kind of fear. We're called to live in freedom. Some of us are, are living in pain. And this one's more difficult to talk about because, because some of us really are living in suffering because of what someone else has done to us. Or suffering because of mistakes that we've made in the past that are still affecting us today. Or, mis or, or living in pain not even because of anyone's fault, but just because sometimes life is hard. And we find ourselves hurting and suffering and in pain. And we, we live in this place where we know it hurts and we know it's hard. And we know it doesn't seem to be getting any better. But the idea of stepping out of that and stepping into something new and stepping into healing and stepping into, into situations and relationships and counseling that could help us to get beyond that. It's, it's just a step. It's not everything. You don't just get to say goodbye to pain overnight. It's something we have to process through. But even that first step feels like, I don't know. It hurts, but I'm kind of getting used to it. It hurts, but it's kind of who I am now. And I, I, I don't know that I really want to start moving beyond it. That feels like a lot. We can get stuck in shame. We can get stuck in guilt, feeling like I've messed up. And I've messed up, which is guilt, can very quickly turn into I'm messed up which is shame, saying, you know, I, I, I've done so many things and my past looked like this and I've made these mistakes and I've hurt these people and you know what, I'm just, I'm gross and I'm bad and, and I'm, I'll never be anything that Jesus could actually use. And what's interesting is we can say that to ourselves so often and so loudly and we can have voices around us that probably don't need to be voices that we let into our lives, but voices around us that speak those same things into our ears so loudly and so often where we hear the phrase, I'm no good, I'm not worth it, I'm no good, I don't deserve to be here, Jesus shouldn't have done that for me, I don't deserve to be a part of this. And we hear that so much that it drowns out Jesus' voice in our life. And when Jesus is saying, no, you're amazing, I created you, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, I have a plan for you, it's for freedom, I've set you free, I want more for you, but we are so consumed by the voices that we're letting into our lives that we can't even hear what he has to say. Jesus has come and he's opened the door to, to the crate to say, come on out. Let's go. We got, we got some stuff to do. I've got plans for you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Wait until you see the park. It's just loaded with squirrels. You're going to love it. Like, like he's saying all this, like there is something amazing for your future. And we're just saying, I don't know. It's not, it can't be me. He must mean someone else. He must have the wrong crate. It's not me. I don't deserve it. I'm no good. I couldn't, I just couldn't. I, it's better that I stay here. You see, the first step towards our freedom is identifying our captor. And once we've identified where we're stuck, 
we can start to, to notice the reasons that we're stuck. Because what's amazing is whatever it is that has us stuck, and, and these list of four things are just to get the wheels turning in your head because it looks different for each and every one of us. This is not by any means an exhaustive list. But whatever it is that has us stuck, what's incredible is Jesus has already said, that has no power here. You've got a future. You've got, I've got plans for you. You're going to do amazing things. I want you to come with me. I want you to follow me. I want you to be a part of this mission that I have for your city, for this world, for your family. I've got plans for you. You don't belong there anymore. You need to come out. Whatever it is that has us stuck, Jesus has already said it has no power over you. But even though we know that's true, and in theory, we want to be free, we can so easily just say, I hear you. That's great maybe later, but right now, I just need to deal with this. Uh, right now, I'm scared. Right now, I'm hurting. Right now, I, maybe I, if I do enough good things, maybe I can get over these bad things that I've done or, or the shame that I'm feeling, and eventually I'll feel good enough about myself that I can step into the freedom that Jesus has for me. Maybe someday I, that'll, that'll work out for me. And Jesus is saying, that I already took care of that. Again, I don't want to spoil Easter, but you'll get there. He already took care of that. He already said, yeah, you have guilt. Yeah, you have messed up. But you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and take that on myself so that you can follow me and be free. I've set you free. Come on. We're feeling shame. And he's saying, hey, that's not for you anymore. I've already took that in a way. I've already taken that to the cross with me. You can let that go and we can, we can go. Come on. Yeah, you're feeling pain. And I get that. I felt that. I understand that. I know it's hard. I know it's going to take a journey and it's going to take lots of conversations. There's going to be three steps forward and one step back. But I want you to take those steps with me. Come on, let's go. I want better for you. I want more for you. I don't want you to be stuck. We've got to identify what has us stuck. And then we've got to take that first step to go ahead and come on out. The door's open. That's what the Easter story is about. The door's been flung wide open. There's nothing holding us back to whatever has us stuck right now. Jesus has taken care of that. He did what he needed to do. Now it's on us to say, am I going to trust him when he says he has a better life for me? Or I'm going to say, Sounds cool, Jesus. I hope that better life works out for someone else, but right now I need to stay right where I am. Here's the, the, the bottom line, the big idea. What Jesus says about you matters most. And Jesus says you can be free. There's gonna be a lot of other voices in our lives now, later, in the past. Voices that tell us that this isn't true, that we can't be free, or that Jesus isn't the most important thing and that that. It could be the voice of a, of a parent that still rings through your head. It could be the voice of friends in your life that ring through your head. It could be our own voices that ring through our heads and our hearts that just tell us, it's not yet, I'm not good enough. It's not for me. I've got too much to deal with. It's too much baggage. I can't be free of all of this that I'm holding on to. And I'm telling you, there's somebody whose voice matters more because he made you, because he died for you, because he knows you, because he's seen all the mistakes you've made and he still loves you because he's seen all the mistakes you made and doesn't just ignore them and go like, oh, that was gross, but I love you anyways. He sees them, he embraces it, and he says, would you just come on? I get it. I get it. Read the Bible. There's a naked guy in a graveyard, and I told him to come with me. Like, you're, there's nothing about you that's so broken, so messed up that I don't love you. I love you. I want freedom for you. I want better for you. I want a new life for you. Would you just come out? It's open. There's nothing holding you back except ourselves. Jesus opened the door. And they walked out. That was true for Mary. It was true for the naked guy. It was true for, for the boy who was throwing himself in the fire. For all of these stories that could have just ended up being footnotes in Jesus' story. 
Very easily, the Bible could have read something along the lines of, and Jesus was out and doing ministry and healing people and feeding the 5,000 and great things. And then he showed up this one day and there was a graveyard with a naked guy in it. And he said, this is weird. And so he got back on the boat and left and, and they went and they did ministry elsewhere. That could have been how the story went. And we probably would read that and be like, that's a strange way to read a story. But instead he went into the weirdness, the brokenness. He went into the captivity that this man was feeling. And he said, would you just... Would you just be free? Would you follow me? Would, you, would we get rid of all this stuff that tells you you're stuck? And would you come with me? And would you do something better that I have for your life? Mary could have been a footnote. Mary could have been, Jesus was out doing ministry. There were the 12 and a couple other women and this one lady that kept showing up and screaming at everyone. And Jesus finally said, would you just go home and send her home? And, and then they kept doing ministry. But instead, the Bible simply reads, and there was a woman, she had seven demons, but whatever. She's a follower of Jesus now and watch the amazing things she's about to do. All of us have brokenness in our story. All of us have things in our story that make us feel like maybe we don't deserve, maybe we shouldn't be a part of what Jesus calls freedom. But I'm telling you, what Jesus says matters most. And Jesus says we can be free. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for seeing past whatever brokenness we can't seem to see past. And whatever, whatever has us stuck that, that makes us feel like we'll never be unstuck, we'll never be free, we'll never be able to follow you the way we want to follow you, the way you call us to. God, we thank you that you see that, you recognize it, you acknowledge it, you understand it, but you don't leave us in it. We thank you that you open the door, that you call us to something better, to something more, to something fuller and freer. And God, we just ask even this morning that you would just continue to speak that into our lives. I know one sermon isn't enough to, to rid us of all of our guilt and shame and pain and fear, God, but I know that you are enough. So I pray that you would just go with us even from this place, that we would continue to hear your voice today, this week, this month, this year, all throughout our lives, God, that you would just keep calling us out of our places of captivity and stuckness and into something better, something freer. Thank you for the story of Mary. Thank you for the story of Jesus. Thank you for teaching us that whatever we're experiencing today doesn't have to be our story tomorrow. God, you have something better in store for us and we love you for that. God, thanks for, for bringing us all here and, and just for being a part of the service with us. We love you.